This is the Gore Club Podcast with Steve Vessel, Ace, and Jeff Metal Dave. Steve Vessel, Gore Club Podcast. In case you didn't know, what you're watching or listening to. Anyways, uh, before we. Before we get into this, I totally forgot to even add at the beginning of this episode, this is our 40th episode, so we're really happy to have, this is going to be a double scream episode, and Corey, your fly's down. Um, Corey's oh. recording this on his phone. Oh, oh shit, it is. <laughs> it's party time at the Corey's <laughs> podcast. Anyways, <laughs> we have our fantastic uh, friend, Nate Ragon, who actually worked on Scream 4 and Scream 5 as a guest. We have so much to talk about that we've split the episode into two parts, part one and part two. That's what part two means. Two parts. Whatever. Scream. Enjoy. And it's our 40th episode. Yay. <laughs> Is it nice? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> it's always nice. We are now in 37 countries. And we're back. And everybody hates us. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I saw Spain up there and I thought it said Spawn. Spain. Just picked us up. It's I thought awesome. it said Spawn for Spawn? some reason. I'm like the, the movie Spawn? No, that's awful, dude. Spawn Ranch. <laughs> Spawn Ranch. The CG Spawn Ranch. <laughs> Um, so what have you guys been doing? I mean, last time, hell, it was, last time we were all together was the uh, Silent Night Deadly Night franchise. And it's been a blur. And that's one of the worst fucking franchises. Yeah. So, <laughs> And now we're going to a really great fucking franchise. In my personal opinion, one of the best franchises. Mm-hmm. Like, consistently. Yeah. Yeah. I had actually watched, like, I watched all these movies once when they came out, and then never again until a month ago. Well, wait, wait. What are we <laughs> so, so you're not even a fan. So I was like kind of a casual fan. I'm gonna, strike, I'm gonna stab you with my <laughs> fucking. I became my twenty, bitch. But I realized I was like, man, these actually are pretty good. And I was just being an asshole for so many years. So just for people that don't know what we're talking, we're about. talking about the Scream franchise, mother flip flops. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's this is gonna be fun. It's gonna be great or awful. Depending on how you look at it. Have you seen the new movie, Dave? No. Death Metal Dave has not seen the movie. He's he's been busy. I'm You're switching jobs. I got to, I told you I hadn't even seen Spider Man. Everybody's fucking seen that. I haven't. I don't care. I, I, I saw. I've seen Scream 2022 <laughs> twice, and I don't give a fuck about Spider Man. I saw Tragedy of Macbeth. That's how fucking lame I am. <laughs> <laughs> I like Denzel Washington, man. That's cool. I don't. I don't care. The the other Cohen actually went, that went off to be like, I can make a movie without you, and he's going to win an Oscar, and he's going to rub it in his brother's face. I you watch. It. They work too much together, man. They're too fun. Yeah. They're like the perfect little scissors. Like ever since Blood Simple, it's just been amazing with those yeah, guys. Yeah, but they're brothers too, so they always got to show each other up. Yeah, they need competition. They well, need competition. It looks like like the Wachowski sisters. It's like, fuck. What did we do? Just do. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen the Matrix? Yeah, I yeah. haven't heard anything good about it. No, no, no. See, the <laughs> reason why is because they were going to make it without them, and then the one Wachowski sister was like, "All right, fine, fuck it, I'll come back." And do it just so they have some creative control. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit, yeah. that's what I mean. So many directors have had to do that, including Wes Craven. Yeah. Including Wes Craven. Yeah. And we're talking about the movie Scream. We're talking about the movie Scream, but Scream. Let's, let's let's go back in time. Scream. Back in time. Before we even go back in time, let's introduce our fucking amazing guest tonight. Yeah. Nick, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh well, hmm. Let's see. <laughs> what what do I want to say about myself? Uh hmm. So I, I'm a massive Scream fan, as as most people are aware. <laughs> um, I did, uh, as far as my history with the uh, franchise, um, I did like help on the making of Scream Four. As far as the look of Ghostface went, um, I helped produce the Scream Comes Home event in 2018, and then the Scream Wayne event in 2020, which was uh, like a massive party at the filming locations. Um, and then I helped on the most recent film for, with the same thing as far as the look of Ghostface went. 
Yeah, and you're you're, you're also an actor. Yeah, I've been in a couple things. Don't, I mean, don't shy definitely... away from the goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not like my main thing that I you know want to aspire to be. But yeah, I've I've done a few things. I looked up some of your roles. Carousel the second. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> great. It was fun. That was super fun. <laughs> I liked. Uh, I liked that the three roles that I found on there were sugar daddy, punk rocker, and meth addict. <laughs> <laughs> that that sums up my whole life, dude. <laughs> We've all been in low budget films and different. Uh, either I do a lot of lighting and I've done acting. This motherfucker's done acting. This guy's done acting. Uh, and he's actually Death Metal Dave plays has been in many bands and in touring bands. He's an ohm. Uh so yeah. I mean we're we're all we're, yeah. we, we know what the limelight looks like. Yeah. It fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you've been playing uh Mortal Kombat with the ghost face back there. So that's oh, pretty yeah, cool. absolutely. Yeah, he he kicks my ass every time. And he's good. <laughs> he's good with those fatalities, so that's fucking rocks. For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about, we're watching uh this will be on our YouTube channel. So Dave was commenting on this amazing fucking arcade game in Nate's house. That's badass, man. But uh, so let's let's talk a little bit about this movie. Oh, where, a little bit, okay. Let's, fine, let's fine. just talk about it. What, a little bit. Where where did this come from, Steve? Well, I mean, if you want to really dig back in like the early days, I would say like Jallo, Italian films. Uh, I mean. We can, I don't feel like digging into all that. We actually have done that before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you have the American slasher films, which everyone kind of now knows it really wasn't Psycho. It was more Peeping Tom. And if you've seen that fucked up movie, it definitely yeah. shows how it bleeds into every other movie after that. I mean, it's actually, those scenes just completely ripped off at that time. And Hitchcock and he actually knew each other. <laughs> The guy who made Peeping Tom, so that's that's fucking amazing. I mean, you have like the neo, the where there's like the three different kind of slasher genres. You have like seventy four to ninety three, then you have the self referential, which is like ninety four to two thousand, and two thousand one to now. Yeah, is that about right? Yeah, basically, yeah, you covered it. <laughs> the neo slashers. So I don't even know. I mean, I, maybe it's actually stops like twenty thirteen or twenty fifteen. So I don't even know what the new generation of slashers even fucking categorized on. I'm too old. I don't care. Yeah. I don't Terrorizer. Give a shit. <laughs> I don't know. Or Terrifier. <laughs> That's the new slasher. Well, okay, Over think about it. Over the top gore. This subgenre is basically like the gutter of horror. I've always thought of, you know, it's like, I hate that, but it's, you have to kind of own up there, especially in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. You movies like Maniac, where people absolutely fucking hate it. Yeah, I love it. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. And you can look back on that and see like where people would be like upset, like feminists would be like, fuck this movie. And then now now neo-feminists are like, no, it's actually a great piece of art because it's blah, blah. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a wild how things can change over time and be softened. And I mean, you know, now Marilyn Manson's a fucking Christian, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things change. They do. Yeah. But the movie Scream changed a lot of things it did change a lot of things and think about where he got all these things like kevin williamson um who wants to start on like talk about like wes craven and how kevin williamson got together nate you have anything on that just a little bit (laughs) yeah i mean i know like kevin i mean he said himself in interviews that like he was basically he wrote scream out of like desperation like he was starving and he didn't you know couldn't get work um and he just kind of wrote it thinking like maybe this will be this will be the script that will get uh noticed that'll get picked up and you know he's very lucky he's one of those people in hollywood that was just kind of had nothing and then all of a sudden he wrote that one perfect script that 
somebody along the way read and was like, we need to make this. Of course, at the time, it was called Scary Movie. Um, and I believe there was like a very, very, very short list of directors um, considered. And Wes was in there somewhere. Um, and, you know, he kind of famously said he really didn't originally didn't even want to direct it. Right. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah he's trying to get away from horror for a while. Um, uh, but he just took the job. So, um, and the, yeah, it was kind of one of those things where it's like Kevin wrote it out of necessity and Wes didn't want to direct it, but he accepted it. And then it was like the Weinsteins who produced it. They didn't even want Wes to direct it, but they, it was just such a weird, like mix of everything just kind of came together in a weird way. Yeah, I think like Wes Craven was in the middle of doing like a, a remake of The Haunting at the time. Yeah, and, and then, yeah, fucking Yann DeBot came in afterwards <laughs> yeah. and just fucked that movie up. Yeah, I know. And then like, bef- I mean, on, really before that, he did Vampire in Brooklyn, which was like a big stinger. masterpiece. <laughs> well, yeah. to go back to what Nate was just talking about, that's the reason the Weinstein's didn't want him to direct yeah. this because that movie was such a fucking bomb, and nobody yeah. could figure out the theme. They're like, oh, it's going to be a scream is going to be another horror comedy. He just made a horror comedy, yeah. and it's fucking awful. Even though Eddie Murphy wanted it to be like hardcore horror, and they're like, "But you're Eddie Murphy. How are we going to sell this?" And he's like, "So him and Wes Craven lightened it up, and look at that piece of shit." Yeah, I know. I actually kind of like it. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a while. I, I, I don't it. know. I rewatched <laughs> it last year. I thought it was pretty. It's pretty good. It's enjoyable. It's because enjoy- it's enjoyable to watch because it's so fucking bad. But we're not talking about vampires. <laughs> Well, I mean, think about Wes Craven's, uh, like, what he has, like, his pedigree. He's got Last House on the wet left, the Swamp Thing, the Freddy Shocker. Shocker's amazing, and it's I fucking awful. But it's so bad. <laughs> but I fucking love that piece of shit movie. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't want to direct it. And I can't remember if he was doing an acting, or not a directing class, or, like, he was at a film school. And somebody, after the story he has told is, like, somebody's like, well, you don't really make scary movies. Like, the last movies you were, were not very good. And he was like, fuck this kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think he was like distancing himself. Thank you. I I remember like vividly going to see Scream. Like we all went to the Dollar Theater because we were poor. <laughs> so we went to the Dollar Theater and we watched this movie. And the, the movie's like you know just ballsy because you know we'll we'll get into the movie here in a bit if you haven't if most of these people have probably seen it anyways but like it's ballsy the choices they make in the movie the, to kill certain people and have all this stuff and I remember getting out of the theater and one of my friends said to me like we could do that I was like do what and he's like. We can fuck kill people. Look how easy it is. I'm not friends with that dude anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Dave has been fired from the Gore Club podcast. <laughs> There's the door, Seiko. Hey, man, I told him no. I was out. My, I remember my experience when I went and saw it, because at that time, horror sucked. Uh-huh. If you were like a horror, hardcore horror guy, let's say if you liked like hardcore like bloody slashers and stuff, it was just bad. You had like Bordello of Blood, but then you had Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. And yeah. Demon Knight was just like, fuck yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. So then you had, like, I mean, Phantoms was getting ready to be coming out, too, at the same time. Like, actually, a little bit later. But, I mean, that, there was, like, a little window of movies that were, like, finally making me feel like I liked horror again. And this was one of them. I went with my girlfriend. It was fucking nuts that night. And I had no idea. I was like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with you. You know, I'm going to go see every fucking horror movie because they know I'm going to go see them. And that first, we spoil everything on here, by the way, Nate. We don't care. <laughs> All of our listeners know we talk about everything that people are like, oh, we just tell them to pause it, go back and watch the movie. So that first scene, when it, the fucking door comes open and, and scares the fuck out of me. I, I haven't been scared or jumped in a horror movie in forever. And we'll yeah. definitely, like Dave said, we'll get into all these little scenes and these things. 
And I remember it was like an, it, was an, it was a madhouse. It was like watching the beginning of Scream 2. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. I'm the perfect demographic for this movie because I was 12 in the seventh grade when this came out in 1996. <laughs> Did you sneak so in? So I should have just been like the perfect, like, but we didn't have a movie theater in my hometown. And me asking my mom to take me one town over to see an R-rated movie was like not going to happen at all. So I watched it when it came out to rent. And then I watched it that like one time. And then I probably watched it again on TBS. And I was like, that's enough for now. And then we were doing Scream again. And I watched it again. And I was like, Man, I've been just awful this whole time. Like, this movie's really good, and I've just been blowing it off like it's some teenage slasher movie or whatever. Cause, and what I really think I realized is that I just kind of didn't like what it spawned and not so much the movie itself. I, yeah, I can see that. Nate, what were your memories when you saw it? Yeah, I mean, I was, I, yeah, I was 13 uh, when I saw it and it came out, and uh, it was, uh, it's very common now, obviously, almost in, in everything. It's just, uh, but at the time when it came out, it wasn't common to have any movie, let alone a horror movie, where the characters were actually aware of movies and were talking about them. Um, so it's like you, you watch all these horror movies that predated Scream, and like, you know, nobody's ever like, oh, this is like, you know, Friday the 13th or, you know, so right off the bat, when they're talking about these movies, right in the opening scene, you're like, oh, I see, this is very different. Something's very different here. Like these characters, it just felt more like it existed in the real world. Um, and, you know, you got that different feeling right away of like, oh, these characters, they've seen all the movies that I've seen. Like they've seen all these. So there, there was just something really different about it. And, you know, like you said, get into like the separate scenes but like i mean the opening scene was just it was crazy like it just completely blew me away it was it was oh, yeah. really yeah, scary. same uh, i was in love with drew barrymore at the time and i was yeah, like exactly. they'd yeah. already yeah, killed her yeah, in the first was. beginning was, of the movie just like i said just the amount of balls to put drew barrymore on the on the cover and then be like you know what we're gonna kill her quick right yeah i legit didn't see that coming <laughs> what you cast a bunch of television actors behind a main star. Yeah. And you're not thinking that they're going to be fucking, they're not going to last. Yeah. That's what's, that was crazy. And, and that was probably another thing why you didn't think about like how this movie would matter because then everybody was putting television stars in their movies. Oh, yeah. Even though they kind of did that before and they kind of broke the fourth wall, a few other movies. What Kevin Williams did with just blew everybody away is his knowledge and the things that you even forgot as a horror fan, like the yeah. fucking Pamela Voorhees thing. Like when you see that, you're like, "This fucking nerd gets me." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why I related to him so much. And my buddy was like, "Hey, we could just go kill some people. We're just like this guy." Right. And I, I mean, personally, like any of those kids, I wanted to hang out with those fucking kids in high school. We would, you know, we would be fighting these fucking kids with our skateboards. But you follow them because you actually like these characters. You got to the point in the mid '90s where horror characters just sucked. You wanted them all to die. Yeah. And, and people forget, like, there's movies like The Thing where you want people to live. Yeah. It's, and, and you like the dialogue. You like the camaraderie that they're getting through. And then this movie brought it all back. He did, he, I think everyone was just sick of what had come before, even though they loved it all. Yeah. And Wes Craven had made some of that shit. Well, by the time this came out, like, all the main horror franchises had either, like, wrapped up with their, like, Final Friday and Nightmare on Elm Street was done and, like, Halloween had come out with that. One that part six, part six that <laughs> just no one cares about well, at all. It, the genre like, itself had gotten so ridiculous and so over the top. Like 
we hadn't sent Jason to space yet, but he was going there. He was going. He, he went, went to, to hell. He, 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 he went to hell, and that movie is yeah. so fucking but not good. That, that, but I love that. But that's Freddy. the thing. That's what we're used to as, as horror fans then, or, or like in my case. It's just like, well, whatever piece of shit Full Moon put out this week. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're that's what I'm children, watching. And we'll, be ab- we'll abuse ourselves <laughs> by watching this shit. Whatever Roadrunner had in their video book. Oh, really, yeah. even John Carpenter at the time, I think he'd done Village of the Damned. Village of the Damned, Which man. I was like, God, I was just like, man, I love you, John Carpenter, but... In the Mouth of Madness is my still... I love my, that. It's the last one yeah. of his that I'm like, that's a fucking John Carpenter movie, man. Yeah, it's great. It's no Ghost of Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not a bad movie. It's a heist movie. I like, you know, Assault on Precinct 13, but it just looks like a Star Trek TV show. Yeah. Like, he had lost his good, you know... I mean, Dean Cundy was gone. He was working for, like, uh, fucking Steven Spielberg and shit. So he lost all those components that made it great, and this movie brought them all together. You got Marco Betrami fucking making a fantastic soundtrack, and even he didn't know where he was going to go with this. Yeah. And, the, and now we make fun of, like, I mean, as uh, when you go back, you go, God, oh, that soundtrack sucks, this, you know, all these shitty bands, but they still put bands that I, either I'd never heard of, like Bird Brain, and then you got Nick Cave. You've got all these things that fucking make it work. You can't oh, there's get a, there's a Nick Cave movie. song in this movie? Movie? Yeah, I never. What? I, I wouldn't think there'd be a Nick Cage song. I'm so delighted that we're uh, we're we're going to school uh, fucking ace on this. Well, man. I didn't know that. What what song is by Nick Cave in I think this it's, movie? I think it's something about his hands. I, I don't am know. So a red right hand. I am so embarrassed. <laughs> well, let's just talk about this movie. Let's Let, just talk about let's... Scream. Let's talk about the first movie and the opening scene. Nate, how would you want to start? What? Where do we go? You're in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> You're about to be pissed off and delighted all at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the opening scene obviously just it really set like the tone for the movie that not only are we having fun by having these self-aware characters that are talking about Friday the 13th or talking about Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween, but um also they immediately let you know like oh we're also not fucking around like this is a serious scary movie. Um, and we're going to brutally murder and gut Drew Barrymore and hang her body from a tree and have her parents come and find her. Like that's really fucked up. Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy because like she almost gets away too, and you're like, she's gonna make it, and then she just gets drugged back. Like, nope, stab, stab, stab. <laughs> now that until isn't her boyfriend's name Steve? Fuck off. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> it's right there on his t-shirt. Yeah, it's right there on his t-shirt. And, te- <laughs> <laughs> and, and technically. If you ask Ari Lehman, Jason was in the first movie. Oh, God. So if she would have just started arguing with that, like, I think she might have made it. She'd been like, no, it was wrong. It was Pamela Voorhees. And he'd be like, she'd be like, well, no, technically, she'd have mansplained, like, hey, Ari Lehman played first Jason. Uh, you can go ask him at his table. We're not first well, Jason. <laughs> you imagine Ghostface is on the phone. He's like, what's the name of Ari Lehman's band? <laughs> first Jason. I think you know. I'm the Keytar King, and I'm going to send you some dick pics. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Anyway, Ari, that first scene is so iconic, and that's the thing that nobody saw coming. And even when you go back, and you know, we'll get into other films as well, but like, Fucking call nine one one, girl. Yeah. <laughs> and even as a kid, I saw that 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 scene where she Drew Barrymore gets hung up and gutted. Now they've sped it up to make it to get past the MPA because that's a whole other story. Um, and then she, if you look at that, she is hung the exact same way that the the first kill in Suspiria is hung. Yeah. It's, it looks exactly the same. Now I don't know if that was on purpose. I've never actually seen that in print or in an interview. Uh, at least I haven't. I don't know if you have Nate, but I mean that's I mean you could put them side by side, 
and it's that fucking first scene. It's like, yeah. wow, that's every, a ten, man. Yeah. It's a fu- and that kill in Suspiria is a ten. Yeah, that's... and then you've got another ten. It's like, yeah. and then K and B comes in and just fucking kills it. And let's talk about K and B a little bit because, as you know, and maybe you guys know too, they had to sculpt the very first mask. Nate, would you want to take us through that? Yeah. So uh, basically, the Kevin script didn't really describe what the killer was wearing aside from a ghost mask. Um, so they had to completely come up with a costume um, and they had to find a mask. So um, they basically like looked through, you know, they went to mask shops and everything and looked for stuff and couldn't find anything they liked. So they started having K and B try to come up with something and nothing came up. They just, they didn't like any of the designs, the concepts. Those were awful. Um, Those designs yeah, are hilarious. I saw some of the drawings <laughs> on that. They're yeah. not good. Um, and then when they were location scouting, it was actually at the house that ended up being used for Tatum's house. Um, Wes Craven and the producer Marianne Madalena found what ended up becoming, you know, the ghost face mask in that house. It was in one of the bedrooms. Um, and they took it. They asked if they could have it. They said, yeah. And they were like, this, this is the mask. Um, well, they didn't have the rights to it. They didn't even know the company that made it. So they just gave it to KMB and said, Hey, make something like this, but different enough that we don't get sued if somebody does come after us. <laughs> so KMB made a bunch of different <laughs> versions of this mask, like what smaller and the eyes were different. Um, and they actually started shooting with that mask, but Wes hated it and everybody basically hated it. They said, Oh, the one that we found so much better. So they finally were able to get a hold of the company Fun World that made the mask um, in the middle of shooting. They had already shot like two or three scenes with the K&B mask with Ghostface. And uh, they ended up making the deal to be able to use the Fun World mask after that. But they had already shot scenes with that K&B mask and they didn't have the money to go back and reshoot them. So basically both masks are, you know, appear in the movie. Yeah, you was it the it's been called so many different things like Father Death, the Peanut Eye Ghost, the was it the Screen not like something Stalker, Death Stalker. I mean, there's so many different things, and there wasn't even like a full costume at that time for that from Fun World, correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a mask basically. So they uh, Cynthia Bergstrom was the costume designer, so she designed the whole the cloak, the robe, everything that he wears. Um, and originally, Wes wanted it to be white. That's it. Yeah. 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 They like pleaded with him, like, please, like it's gonna get dirty in the blood. We'll have to match it. It's gonna be a nightmare. And he insisted on it being white. So they, Cynthia told me they made one white costume that was actually made out of like a almost like a windbreaker type material. And she said as soon as they put it on and put the hood up, everybody was like, "That looks too much like KKK." It's got like <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Nope, never mind. It's got to be Holy black." Shit. That might have been even scarier. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but Wes Wes wanted it to be white because he was afraid that if the costume was straight black and the mask was white, that Ghostface would just look like this floating head on camera. Which is why they used that fabric that had the sparkle to it so that it would not look as, you know, you wouldn't lose the costume in the dark scenes. You would see it still. That's why they used that kind of sparkly material that they picked. Yeah, that sparkly material is so crazy. When, you, when, I, when I watched it as a kid, I didn't notice it. And then it wasn't until the sequel that I was like, oh, it's like 
fucking Michael Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> literally. It's yeah. you had to watch an HD before you noticed that. And this is kind of the very first that I can think of, the first costumed killer. I don't mean like somebody who puts on a mask and runs around killing, but like a full costume killer since like I mean Terror Train is the only one I can think of. Yeah. That the character is actually the slasher is wearing an actual Halloween costume. And this is the only one I can really think of besides Terror Train. I mean, there's probably somebody out there on in the internet can school me later. But please, I mean, please do because I want to know. Um, and that excited me because I thought I could go out and get the fucking costume and I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't. I could find the mask. That father death costume that doesn't exist. Right, 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 right. The first costume I ever bought came with two robes, no gloves, and a shitty mask, which I, I wish I still had. I, all I have right now is the uh, I have a, a Randy death uh, scene. And mask, and then my old robes. Um, I just I'm getting the 25th anniversary one. It, that looks pretty awesome, and I think I'm, there are people who, and I, I know that you know that you can actually retool the costume to make it even more perfect because it's not. I mean, if you know what to look for, you're just like and whatever. There's always those nitpicky people, and I'm one of those sometimes. <laughs> well, I've got an irrational fear of glitter, so it just made me more scared of Ghostface. <laughs> what with you? <laughs> Just avoid strip clubs altogether. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't like it. So after the opening scene, we meet Sydney. Sydney. Who's like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. And that was that was originally what they wanted Drew Barrymore to play. They wanted her to play Sydney, correct? Yeah. If I remember correctly, yeah. Yeah. So you meet you meet Sydney in her bedroom. and then Yeah, uh, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and then I made a note about this. I made a note about this. And then uh, then you meet you meet the boyfriend, Skeet Ulrich. What, what's his name in the kids? It's Billy. Billy, that's Billy right. Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis. <laughs> Billy Loomis. No, no coincidence. The names there. keep yeah. coming. There's, there, there, are, there's, there you have the McKenzie's house at the beginning. Like, this is when, like, a horror nerd starts, pay, besides, like, the, uh, the, the quiz that he's giving people, the questionnaire or whatever, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. You start realizing, like, you know, it's like uh, Night of the Creeps or whatever. You start realizing, like, everyone's name is coming from a different fucking, either a director or a movie or something you yeah. know. Even if you can't place it at the time, you're like, I fucking know that. I don't there's, know what it is. There's a Halloween reference that her parents make, I think, when they walk up to the house and they say, go to somebody else's house. and Yeah. Which is a Halloween reference that I can't remember right now, but... <laughs> But that's the, oh, thought, before you get to yeah they Sydney. they tell he tells his wife to go to the McKenzie's house yeah, which is exactly it. what Jamie Lee Curtis does to the kids at the end yes when she's like hey you go I want to hang out with Mike yeah <laughs> <laughs> I made I made one of my notes because uh, Billy like you know jumps into her room through the window and he's like I was watching The Exorcist and I thought of you. Watching The Exorcist. Yeah. yeah I said that all the like, time to my girlfriend. It's just like, so you were horny? Like, like what, what scene in what, particular? What, what scene in particular are we talking about? I mean, there's some really good throw-up porn. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. Yeah. So, Exorcist, gagging. I don't know. It's 90, you know. Whatever. I grew up in the 90s. I was, I've seen Rotten.com. <laughs> she, cool. like, takes her cross down off the wall and is like, I'm just going to put this somewhere else. <laughs> but they already put it in your mind that this is the killer. Right off. Because he drops the phone. And you're just like, wow, first of all, I didn't have a cell phone at the time. I'm like, look at this rich fuck. Yeah, 19, I don't think people realize that now that in like 96, like nobody had cell phones. Like, and he's like, everybody's got them. I'm like, you live in a nobody. castle, dude. Yeah, nobody look, had cell phones. Yeah. Look at your best friend's house, you fucking rich punk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like we were like cave people. We were making The last time I saw a Scream 1 in theaters was, uh, I think it was 2015 when Nev Campbell did her first convention appearance at Texas Frightmare and they had a screening at the draft house and beforehand there was a lot of young people there they were like has anybody here not seen the movie it was like half the audience was like oh I haven't seen it before 
That's um, awesome. And literally at that line in the police station, when he's like, what are you doing with a cellular telephone, son? Everybody just busted up like laughing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it is kind of funny now, isn't it? At the time, it was like, yeah, what are you doing with a cellular telephone? Oh. <laughs> now it's, just, it's hilarious. There are several things in that movie that that sort of weird you out if you think about it, like because you know you go from you go from Sydney's house and then they go to school and they were like, oh, somebody was murdered, and they're like, don't worry, we're at school, it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Even to this day, I never put that together. Yeah, Columbine like, hadn't happened. You know, all these things. Yeah. I mean, Fox, it's Death Metal Dave bringing the death. It's just it's just like things I noticed, man. It's like cool. If I want to be safe, I'm not going to a fucking public school, I can tell you that. Yeah, and, and that's when Sydney first hears about it, and Tatum's like, well, you know, she lives, she, she was next to me in, what was it, in whatever class that was. She's like, not anymore. Yeah. It's like, God damn, they're making fun of their dead friend. Yeah. They yeah. weren't that close. <laughs> I, would, I always thought that they put Skeet Orgs in that movie because he just looks so much like Johnny Depp, and he was trying to make a nod to, like, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. But apparently not, because when I listened to the commentary, like, Wes Craven, like, pointed that out specifically, that he just thought he was a good actor, and that had nothing to do with his choice and him putting him in the movie. Yeah, he's like Johnny Depp meets Bud Bundy. Yeah. He's just... <laughs> and, and another thing that happens, like, that if you were watching it today and you'd never seen the movie, like, police, being, police coming to your school to interview people didn't happen then. Yeah, just, it was. It was. It's supposed to make you feel like, oh shit, something's going on. Like kids now would be like, oh okay, this is this is happening. <laughs> They'd be staring at their phone the whole time, be like, who dad? Yeah, but you, you speak. You, you brought up Johnny Depp. Yeah. Tatum's wearing uh, the jersey, like a throwback jersey that's just like Johnny Depp from Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh yeah, I don't, uh, I don't really yeah. There's so many that. things, God, man. Just little things like that, man. That's great. Uh, everyone kind of focuses on the, the Casey Becker phone. But a lot of people don't focus on like she picks. She has two different phones. She picks yeah. up the, like the the different like a landline phone. It's black and white. That one's a very distinct phone. The Casey Becker phone itself is so fucking hard to find for like cosplayers. I've seen a, I've seen like the new brick one that's come out, and I'm, it, it looks nothing like it to me. It has like a sh- the shape, but like my mom had that fucking phone. I'm like yeah. I know what that phone is, man. Yeah. And you can't find him anywhere. Even even that goddamn um, even Skeet's a cell phone is so hard to find. Do you know what any of those are, like the originals at all? Damn it, Nate. <laughs> the prop master told me that as far as Casey's phone went, he's pretty sure they just left it at that house that they shot at. Like, just kind of <laughs> like, oh, here you go. Okay, we're going to leave this phone here, you guys. Um, so, you know, who knows? The owners probably used it for who knows how long after that and then probably got rid of it. Without even knowing. I, I, they probably should have just used a Garfield phone. Then everybody would have one. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I it's remember like correctly, she actually did. She accidentally accidentally call nine one one. Isn't there a story where somebody actually called from the set of Scream? Is a nine one one call, and they actually had to fucking like, whoa, 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 sorry. Was it? Yeah, was it, it had Drew something character? to do with like the. Uh, there's some kind of box they use that they had like the phone cords connected to, and it was like. Roger Jackson was there, but he wasn't in the house. He was like, they never wanted, they never wanted him to see Casey, to see Drew. Um, and basically somebody didn't, as I understand it, somebody flipped a switch or didn't flip a switch when they should have or shouldn't have. Um, and basically when she hit 911, it 
wasn't supposed to actually call, but it did. Nine one one answered. She was acting and screaming and you know whatever. So yeah, yeah. So nine one one was called. The That's operator true. was like, "Is this Drew Barrymore?" <laughs> <laughs> they are in California. Yeah. Call ET. He'll help you. <laughs> oh fuck! Man. Like I love Poison Ivy. <laughs> so this movie was uh, edited by uh, Patrick Lucier. Is that how you pronounce his name? He's a fucking great uh, director, actually. Uh, I always think about it, like everybody that made came together and made this movie good. The producers, it's uh, was it Kathy Conrad, Carrie Woods, uh, Kevin Mead Williamson, and then you've got Wesley Earl Craven. Um, so the when you go into the opening scene, I feel like after that scene, when you go and you meet Sydney, everything calms down. It's uh, it's beautiful, you know. <laughs> no, it's the next day. Yeah. Everything's great, and then it's like uh, what she run into. Uh, where are we going with the next next scene? Uh, we go to school. We found out what's going on. Yeah. Does the uh, does is that one we meet? Um, Courtney Cox. Yeah. 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 God damn, that's awesome. Gail Weathers. <laughs> She's such a fucking bitch. Yeah. She is, like in this movie, I was like, man, I really hated her in this movie. And I watch it, but then you watch the other ones, and you're like, man, eh, she's fine. She had to fight for this role. Yeah. Because she, she was she wanted to be this this role so bad because everyone knew her from Friends. Everybody, yeah, everybody knew her from Friends and that Bruce Springsteen video, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> the cast is crazy. I've got David Arquette, Courtney Cox, Nev Cannibal, Skeet Elric, uh, uh, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, a lot of people you never even heard of. Uh, Jamie Kennedy. Randy was originally going to be like, well, what's, what's the guys from uh, fucking The Craft? What's his name? Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he's in The Craft. He's in, like, cl- uh, Clueless. He's, he's, I forgot his fucking name. <laughs> Shut up, I don't know, man. Breckin <laughs> Meyer? Huh? Breckin Meyer? Yes, that's it. Yeah, uh, uh, Francis Lee McCain is, is fucking is Mrs. Riley. She's in Gremlins. Yes, <laughs> she's awesome. She's like the mom in uh, in Back to the Future. She's uh, she's Leah Thompson's mom in, in uh, Back to the Future. She's in Stand by Me. She's Jordy uh, Lachance's mom. She's she's very recognizable and she's like has a very small role in Scream. And I'm like nerd. Yeah, she's <laughs> everybody's also, mom. You also got Linda Blair playing the. Playing the reporter as well. Yeah. With a cameo Fucking there. Linda Blair. Henry Winkler. Uh, Leaf Shriver, before anybody knew who he was, uh, he was uh, like basically a nobody at this point, right? Yeah. He, he, basically, his role was like as an extra almost. You know, he just kind of, he's in that one news, news clip for like three seconds getting put in a police car and that's it. Yeah. Now, see, I thought that he was filming Phantoms when they were filming this and they asked him to do a walk-on role. I... Somebody can ever look that up. That'd be I think awesome. that is what he. I think that is. True. Yeah, Corey, his hair, I think his hair is exactly the same in both movies. <laughs> yeah. He's such a creep in that movie with Linnea Quigley in that scene. Oh, yeah. We've had Linnea Quigley on the show before, and uh, we've talked about that scene. <laughs> she is the dead woman in the uh, bed in Phantoms that Lee Schreiber's like hitting on. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, let's see. Uh, and then Wes is Fred. Now, when I was a kid, I just thought he said friend, not you, friend. I didn't actually know until I got subtitled on my DVD. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's his name is Fred. <laughs> He's the fucking West Craven. It's the janitor Fred wearing the goddamn Freddy sweatshirt. It's, it's fucking great. Um, then you've got, nobody talks about Kenny the cameraman. Yeah. So it's W. Earl Brown. And we brought him up recently a few episodes ago because I was talking about his biopic of Meatloaf and Meatloaf just fucking died. <laughs> oh man, I guess you got he, Derek's powers now. I know. Derek, <laughs> our old co-host, could name somebody and they would just drop dead. <laughs> and for the record, for the record, two days before Betty White died, he said, there's no way that bitch is making it to 100. God damn it. <laughs> words. That's why Derek got fired. <laughs> 
And then you get like and, um, Lynn Macquarie is uh, uh, Maureen Prescott. Lawrence Heck is uh, is Hesh or Heck. I never know how to pronounce people's names. I'm the worst, especially with Italian names. Uh, is Neil Prescott and Joseph Whip is Sheriff uh, Burke, and he was in A Nightmare on Elm Street as deputy uh, the deputy to, to John Saxon in A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He's moved up in the world. Yeah. He's, now he's the sheriff. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should investigate this dude. Shit keeps happening around him. But before we go on with the scenes, let's talk about the actual character of Ghostface. Ghostface is like played by six people in this movie. You have what? You have Roger Jackson as the voice. And he's like, he's like, he was like the original Mr. Mucus in those old uh, Mucinex commercials. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I looked up his, his credits one. are crazy. He has he, like a million he, Yeah, he's, he's like Frank Welker when it comes to his credits. I mean, he's, he's actually the translated voice to the Mars Attacks. Martians? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Dane Farrell and not Farrell. Who else played Ghostface in this, Ghostface in this one? Is it, um, God damn it. I don't Maybe that's part two. I mean, he, there's so many people. It's a lot, though. It's like, yeah, Dane and uh, Lee Waddell yeah. played him in all the K&B scenes. Like, he was like the first one. Um, Tony Sasir. There's a bunch. Um, everyone, you know, not that Dane doesn't deserve credit, but everybody's always like, oh, Ghostface is Dane Farwell. Really not. Like, he played Ghostface in, like, a couple scenes in the first one. He played in, like, a couple scenes in the second one. He didn't do anything for the third one. Um, but the fourth movie, he pretty much was the main person in, in part four. Um, but yeah, there were just so many, basically anybody they could get, you know. They stuck him in the costume. So. It's almost like Halloween. It's just like you get in there, put on the suit. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that episode. That that uh, sequel. There's actually a sequel with uh, Michael Myers actor who's actually played one of the ghost faces in one of the sequels. We'll get to that one though. Um, uh, this is also based on loosely based on that was it the Gainesville Ripper. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Harold Rowling. Yeah. What a piece of shit that guy was. Yeah. Kevin Williamson, I guess, told the story about he was writing it and then saw like a documentary or something about him on TV while he was locked away writing the story and then kind of used some of that. And then kind of, I guess he said he scared himself while he was writing it. <laughs> so. That's always a good sign. I was, I'm a big fan when it comes to lighting and, and making a film look good. I think the mood really matters. So the, uh, Mark Irwin is, is credited as the DP on this one, and I, I think the one after this, but I know that they, he, he pretty much got fired like a week uh, before they were done filming because so many of the dailies came in and they were fucking out of focus. Yeah. <laughs> this guy helped uh, uh, create Cronenberg's career, The Fly, The Brood. <laughs> This is he knows what he's fucking doing. Can you imagine you hire this guy and you're like, oh, Mark's got it, we're good. Yeah, it's and then it's like, good. why? What the fuck is going on? I can't even see <laughs> this. Fired. This guy, he shot Fright Night Part Two, man. It's that movie's beautiful. Yeah. The Blob, The Dead Zone. Um, I mean, I can't think of. How, I wish I made more notes on that, but like, yeah, he was fired one week short of finishing the film, and uh, that's fucking ouch, ouch. <laughs> well, let's go on with the damn movie, guys. <laughs> Uh, I think also one thing I read about the cameraman, uh, W. O'Brien, I think he's from Louisville. <laughs> like no shit. I saw that. Yeah. No I, shit. I think I read that part too. The camera operator? Yeah. Yeah. The guy who plays the, the camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brown. Yeah, yeah. He Brown. is. Yeah. Okay. He's I thought you Louisville. meant like the camera. I'm getting all technical. Sorry. Oh, I get, no, I get sorry. that way sometimes. <laughs> so as the movie progresses. Oh, the movie progresses. Yes. You meet, you meet Wait, our cast of characters. Back to the characters. movie? Fuck. You, you meet our cast of characters. You've got, 
You've got Matthew Lillard, who's also in a Scooby-Doo movie. So Matthew Lillard, who's also known from being the cool guy in every 90s movie ever. Hackers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And if you've ever met Matthew Lillard, he is actually a cool guy. Yeah, he felt me up one time. He was talking about my peck. <laughs> and I was like, cool. <laughs> Have you ever met Matthew? Nate? What's your what's your impression of him besides us just kissing his ashes now? <laughs> I mean, you know, he's it's interesting because he's always had sort of like a he seems to have a love hate relationship with Scream, um, but I think it's mostly love. Um, I think it took him a while to accept that, like, oh, this is the movie that I'm going to be remembered for, no matter what I do. You know what I mean? Like, no matter what I do for the rest of my life, I'm always going to be remembered for Scream. But I think he's he's really like kind of accepted that and is is proud of it now. Um, but I know early on it was just kind of something that he was like, "Ah, oh, I'm done talking about Scream. I have nothing else to say about it." You know, I've, I've done so much else in my career. Um, but yeah, he's really embraced it. So well, he's he was really nice. I met him at a convention that was in a uh, mall in an abandoned J.C. Penney's. No shit, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> And he was so happy to be there. Sonny Chiba was there, too. It was the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, and there was like a dead raccoon? There was a dead raccoon. Ralph, never forget. Corey knows. Corey, our producer, was there. (laughs) I forgot. I I got to meet Matthew right after Wes Craven had passed away. And he actually was just taking questions. And he was he's just so nice with children because they know him as Shaggy. So he he is so fucking giving. And he will be like, no, sorry, ma'am, sorry. And the little one here is talking. And that's how, that's how he was when I met him. And the room was packed. And I, can't, I think I was having to sit on the floor. And he took hours answering everyone's questions. And it's like, does anybody else have a question? I raised my hand. And I said, what are, what are your memories about Wes Craven and, like, how you made you feel? And, like, was he a great director? And, you know, and he looked at me and he's like, that's not a question. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well... I mean, you know, uh, Miss Wes Craven. So, and he went on to lament about Wes Craven in, in ways that I actually not have heard anyone else. I mean, everyone does. You know, everyone misses Wes Craven, but I don't know if they had a, a just maybe because he was nervous on the set or whatever. Because he and uh, and um, and and Jamie Kennedy were trying all kinds of new shit. They were going. They were playing off of each other a lot to where Skeet Ulrich was like, "Is this a fucking comedy? Like, what are we making here?" And he didn't know because he was being a serious, serious actor, and that worked for their roles, I yeah. think. So if you think about like take Skeet, you know, take Billy Loomis' character out, you got, it, it is it's like a goofball fucking guys making yeah, jokes and being stupid and being. Matthew literally he's just spitting the whole time. Yeah, he's in the he does. Movie. Even he's when just he's trying to be everywhere. normal. Yeah. <laughs> and he's fucking the hottest chick in school. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she definitely is. Well, he's rich, man. Yeah. He's got two cell phones. Yeah. Plus, Matthew Lillard was also an SLC punk, which is the thing that I love him yeah. most for. Oh, man, that movie, yeah, it tears me up a little movie. bit. I think, I think everybody remembers that movie. Yeah. Heroin Bob. But, yeah, you're introduced to everybody at that at the, uh, at the the at the fake school. It's not even at the school because they couldn't even film at the school they were originally wanting to, right? That's why there's like that credit at the end of the movie. Oh, they kicked him out. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were all for it until they like got the script and read it and then they were like, No, there's murder and no, nope, no, we're not doing that. Can't have so murder and violence in school. They completely prepped to film at that school and then yeah, they were like, Nope, not happening. So they ended up going to the uh Santa Rosa community community center, yeah. And yeah. they just turned it into a school because it was—I believe it used to be an old school, so it was perfect. Yeah, I mean, you—you're gonna make a movie called Scary Movie, and wait a second, 
Yeah. Oh wait, no, we have to change. We changed our mind. Like, fuck off. Like they like they get all like high and mighty and moral about it. Like after a while, and I think there was another movie film there before. Like I can't remember what it was, but it wasn't memorable. Enough. Bordello of Blood. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But somebody uh, some non exploitation film was filmed there. Who yeah. Knows? I think somebody brought up the fact that like whatever the school board didn't want them there, and then later on that some person on that same school board got fired for like some kind of sexual misconduct. <laughs> oh, that is correct. Because yeah. the guy who was most vocal about it ended up being, and that, I think I've seen, I, there's an interview with Wes Craven talking about that. Yeah. So, and he's kind of like smirking. He's like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> Who's the sicko, dick face? Yeah. He's like, I'm just making movies. <laughs> yeah. And, and he came from a very religious background. Like he, I forgot, I can't remember what, uh, religious sect he came from but whenever he left college he was like no let's you know what let's make last house on the left yeah (laughs) (laughs) holy shit let's have some fun guys right (laughs) anyways so in the movie in the movie sorry in the movie plot we have plot because gail you said gail comes to the school gail comes to school and she wants to interview people and she's like hey sydney you think this could possibly be the person that actually murdered your mom and not the guy that you think did it, Cotton, because we talked about Lee Shriver, who's in jail on death row. And Gail's, Gail's determined. She's like, he's not guilty. You're fucking wrong. And there's this. She's a good person. She's, yeah. Gail no. is a good person. She <laughs> is only there to help people. Money does not motivate her. Gail no. Weathers, the true crime podcaster of the 90s. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> And, and like Oliver Cameron or like the drummer from Spinal Tap, they just keep dropping, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking blowing up and shit. Yeah. <laughs> so go ahead, Dave. Lead us through it. Lead us through. Okay. <laughs> this ghost face comes back. <laughs> I'm sorry. He comes back. I always had to he walk out because I can't. Just, I can't just, breathe. Just, just, just. In and out. All right. So. See, I got some weird notes here, man. Like, so I'm gonna have to go oh, back. I can't to wait these. to hear no, these notes. I got something about Richard Gere and Gar- gerbils because they make the Richard Gere gerbil joke. Oh, that, that's that. that that's that night. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. That, that, that's is that later? Or is that that then? That's the night after. Yeah. Oh, the night after. Yeah, they make the gerbil joke. So, like, you know, just think about that. It's immortalized now. It's on film. <laughs> yeah. Some shit that we believed when we were kids that Richard Ger- Richard Gere was shoving gerbils up his ass. Everybody got on their <laughs> shitty dial-up fucking internet and tried to figure out if that was real or not. <laughs> I mean, if I ever saw him at a convention, I'd probably just have to ask. Oh, like, like Richard you- Gere's getting fucking bottom out and start doing horror conventions? I don't know, man. I've been to Mothman Fest. Maybe he'll show up one year. <laughs> you can get his room from Mothman. Oh, my God. Can you really? It's gerbil infested. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> so let's skip to the night. This is when and Sydney gets her first phone call. Okay. <laughs> ring, ring, motherfuckers. First phone call ever. Yeah, she's never had a phone call before that. She's a teenage girl. And it's great because her, her the realism in her, when uh, I've seen her in the craft, and I didn't even, I never connected the dots. I was like, I didn't know who she was. She's still brand new to me. Party of five. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Party of five. And yeah. she did the craft, but she did the craft before this because yeah. that's how her and Skeet actually met. You know, he's the rapist guy. I can't wait to have him on the next set. It's great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a piece yeah. of shit in the craft. Sydney yeah. <laughs> gets, gets the call, and then Ghostface comes for her, right? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> he's thwarted by a closet door. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite things in these movies is how, like, human that they make the the bad guy in the movie. Because other movies, like, 
like you know, like Freddie and Jason are going after you, and like they're like invincible until the Michael end of the Myers movie. would have kicked that door the fuck in. Ghostface like, is like he's just getting beat up through the whole movie, like all the time, just hitting doors and like falling down. And, can like, you just get closer to me, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, like, okay. if you think about the director of this film, and you look at the very first of Nightmare on Elm Street, and then you look at Shocker, both of those guys get their asses kicked. Like he. he Freddy Krueger's not perfect. He falls around, especially when Nancy figures shit out and gets the yeah. booby trap book, right? She's knocking him all over the place. So it's kind of like Wes Craven wanted to take Kevin Williams' script and then make it even a little bit goofy. Because if you just watch a couple of those scenes, you're like, this guy's fucking awful. He's falling all over the place. Well, I think, like, you know, whenever she opens her door and it, like, hits the other door, the closet door. So, like, they said they tried to find a house forever that had a door like that because... I think like Westcore, like I think Kevin Williamson said in his bedroom when he was a kid, they had that door like that, and he'd always lock his parents out. But they couldn't find a house like that anywhere, so they had to build in that house like the doors in the side of there, so that when they opened it, they would connect right there. That's a so great that she fucking... could get away from it right there. And I was like, that's a lot of work just to go into like just two doors like stopping each other right there. But you remember because her dad tries to come in. <clears throat> We're skipping yeah. ahead. And yeah, like, yeah. Well, that was that was that was before. Yeah. Actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her, dad, her dad's Seth's trying to up. come in when when Billy's there. That's but, right. But now that Ghostface is there, Billy comes back to save the day. Everybody, he's a hero. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Billy! He drops his Nokia. <laughs> <laughs> we can't call it that. He drop he drops his cell phone, and it's just like holy shit! And here come the police. And he's like, that motherfucker's got a cell phone. He's like, what are you doing with that? He's like, I was just trying to play Snake. <laughs> what the fuck is Snake? <laughs> it's a game that you used to have on cell phones. You used to have oh, it on your Nokia no, cell phone. You fucking game nerds. All of you. Game nerds. So at this point, it's established that, like, oh shit, this Billy guy, he's into something. He's he's into something. He's a red herring. He's a he is definitely he, yeah, well, I mean, just from watching movies, you think like, all right, is this the guy that's actually the killer or is this the guy that they want me to think is the killer? Yeah, that's where the whole Jalo kind of like theme that I love cuz I love who done it. I love like fucking murder she wrote. I don't give a shit. I love Columbo and all that goofy stuff. And uh, so this movie, it just, yeah, definitely it nailed that part. Like, yeah. this is, oh, it's the killer. They want you to think everybody in the movie is the killer. Like, even the sheriff at one point is, like, a suspect because he has the same boots as Ghostface does. Yeah, Nate actually made a video about the shoes, correct? Yeah. So, and what, did you ever find out about the first movie's Ghostface? Motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20, 25 years and nobody's figured it out and... Uh, when I finally got in contact with the costume designer, um, who I'm now really good friends with, I was like, this is it. I'm talking to her. I'm going to get the answer. And she was like, I have no idea. I don't remember. And I'm like, oh, um, the, the, I think she told us she, she thinks she maybe got him at Sears, which would have been in 1995. And of course, as soon as I threw that info out there, all these like, Hardcore fans were like, nope, I went through every Sears catalog from 93 to 96, and there's nothing in there like it. And I'm like, uh, I don't know then. Jesus Christ, that's some. I, that's I, did, crazy. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I went through, because you can find, they have them on file. You just put in Sears catalog 90s, and it will give you the spring, the Christmas, the fall. It gives you every fucking catalog. And I Jeez. went from 90 to like 97, just because. And Every, I was like, oh, it's close. Oh, it's close. Oh, no. It's the, tre- the tread's in. Because the tread is very specific, especially on the heel. Yeah. Yeah. And your video shows um, there's like a, what is it, like a, a, something in the bottom sole of it? 
of the tread bottom there's like a it's i don't know if it's a logo or if it's just like i don't know some there's like an orange or reddish rectangle like right on the bottom um but of course you can't make out like what it says if it says anything but that's that's the latest bit that we have that we're because you couldn't see that detail until the 4k came out as soon as the 4k came out all of a sudden you could see that so we're like oh we got some kind of logo or the shape of a logo so now people are looking for any boot from the 90s that has like that that exact shape and color on the bottom. I'm going to hop on this bandwagon. I, I sort of want to know <laughs> fucking Sherlock Holmes this over here. This is what we do. This <laughs> is what nerds fucking do, man. Be like, I'm just going to mark everything out. So when you were looking at that Sears catalog, did you get a Sharpie and mark on your, uh, no, mark on no, your no, screen no. too? I did have. I, I, I did, like, ooh, I want one of those. I didn't have Sears catalogs as a kid. I got the, the service merchandise. I don't know if that's a store where you are at, but here in, the, in Louisville is where we are. Uh, we had service merchandise, and there was like a goddamn Bible. Yeah, every fucking Christmas, it's like circle and put it in like 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 yeah. pillar Peter Billingsling in Christmas story. I'm like putting this in mom's magazine and put this in dad's porno. Everybody's gonna find my shit. Well, pre-internet, you know, <laughs> pre-internet, some of us all we had was the Sears catalog, and oh, did, you what? had to make do with what. Look, you had. dude, I'm not talking about <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> you fucking pervert. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the, the 4K. It, it's I haven't even seen the 4K. I still have like the old VHS and the DVDs and that kind of thing. I, 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 I pulled out my old VHS, double VHS with the phone card still unused. I don't know if I can use it anymore. I love that set. Yeah, I still have mine too with the phone <laughs> yeah. card. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm never using this card. And uh, I remember they, this came out because DVDs were starting to come on the rise and they wanted to give you the experience of having the commentary because one, it's the same movie on both ones. Yeah. But one of them has audio commentary. Yeah. And I was like, mind blown. Yeah. And then my friend's like, you could just buy a DVD player. I was like, I'm poor. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all my money on this Scream 2 tape set. Right, I got that at Suncoast, I think. <clears throat> it cost at least $50. Yeah. And then we can get to the merch in a little bit. Holy crap, there's so much fucking merch. We'll get to that. But yeah, but go ahead. I'm sorry. It's a plot. More, more phone calls. Yeah, more phone <laughs> <laughs> This movie is about calling people and making vague threats. Not- and then sometimes following through. Yeah, just a little bit. Um, so we get another call. Do we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm really, I'm really tired today, guys. Dave worked from like sun up till just by you got, before you got here, guys. Yeah. Um, but as I, uh, I'm going to put the link of Nate's video on the description of our YouTube channel on this video, so whenever you see it, you can just click on that motherfucker and go right to his channel and see what we're talking about when it comes to the boots. And I'll do that throughout the uh, this, unlike on all of our YouTube channels. Like if you want to see something we're talking about, you can just click on it and go right to it. So, I like to think in the going back to that bath in the bathroom scene. The girls walk in, and the one girl's just wearing her cheerleading outfit to school because that's, you know, what you did. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was warm. They just walk in, you know, and they just start, like, just sex-shaming her like Completely her and her mom. A, I'm just yeah. like, it's like, yeah, it's like, so what? She like to have sex. <laughs> like, this whole movie's just based on, like, it's like, your mom was a whore. I'm just like, like, and then you're just like. It's like maybe people just like to have sex, man. Like, why are you, you going to kill people over it? Yeah, this is 1995. <laughs> the, we don't talk but about back sluts. then. It was different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They and she, and she. That's a really heartfelt scene. It's like, fuck. Yeah, these bitches deserve to die, yeah. and they don't. I know. I'm like, I wanted them to die. Like, come out of the stall. <laughs> She's going to come out from Duke slaying. That's the first time we get a really good close-up of the boots. Yeah. In the bottom of the uh, the costume, and that's when now, when I see it, I can see all the sparkles in the fucking room. I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck yeah. It's Michael Jackson. Yeah. 
What? Don't look at me like that. <laughs> and just moonwalk over to you and stab you in the face. <laughs> moonwalk. <laughs> moonwalk and stab me. Uh, Fuck you guys. So the police track the cell phone that was calling Sydney, and who does it go to? It goes to her dad. Yeah. She's so daddy's her, girl. So her dad may be the killer now. Yeah. We're like, oh shit, Billy is Billy's cool. He's good. Yeah, he's good. He was in jail. How could he? <laughs> yeah. How could he possibly have done this? He, he was in jail, and somebody's calling and saying horrible things to people. He got out of jail, went right to school, and didn't even wash his hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, because that's what he says. I was in jail. In the same white like, T-shirt, dude. Yeah, he's wearing the same clothes. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm sleeping all day and jerking off, and going, maybe I might go to school the next day. Fuck that, dude. I just got arrested. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm fucking sixteen. I mean, he just he just was in jail and he had a Zabo and it just went, went on. <laughs> Zabo. If you just don't know what a Zabo is, bologna sandwich. If you've ever been to jail, <laughs> it's a fucking bologna sandwich with soggy cookies on top, and he uh. wrap it in cellophane and give it to you at lunchtime. You can get about three cigarettes out of that. I've never been to jail. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> things are working. Um, now we're moving. Uh, I know we're moving all around, but uh, I think we do. I think we're about to the point where Randy. In the in the in the video store, movie store, famous the, the, scene. The, the, and he's in the video store talking about like, oh, it's not a normal horror film. It's a, you know, he starts going on and on about it. I can relate so fucking hard to this scene because I worked in a video store for years. Nate, were you a video store kid? Yeah. Did you work in one? I did actually. Oh yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, which one? We're all connected. Wait, was it? Was it? It was called Video Warehouse. Um, I worked there for I think almost five years. I worked at a, I worked at like Hollywood Video for like twelve years. I had just given up on life, so. But it was fun, man. Except was, all those yeah, goddamn Disney fun. movies. I literally just sat there and watched movies all day. That's all yeah. I did. And the best part is you can ruin people's lives by giving them a movie. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah. I need something for my kid's birthday party. Be like, here, take fucking Maniac. <laughs> Dave's malicious. Oh man. I've done some horrible things to people. I remember one time, just to get off on a rant, I may have told this story before, but a guy came in and he was always like, I like fucked up movies. And I was like, okay. So I bought him a copy of August Underground Mortem and I just gave it to him. And like, he just never came back. <laughs> some friends of mine made that movie and yeah, they probably clap every time you mention that. I love that fucking story. Uh, it's just <laughs> so good. It's just, it was just, the guy was just like, no man, I'm into hardcore gross shit. I'm like, okay. Fred, if you're listening, we love you. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, it was very relatable when he's talking. Pittsburgh, right? That's not far yeah. from me. Yeah. Fred and Shelby, they were fucking amazing human beings. And Jason, Jason, uh, I mean, Jeremy, Jeremy moved out to California and do special effects. Yeah, man. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> all right. So, school, school's God canceled. Damn, we're on a whole other. <laughs> People are dying. School's canceled. Henry Winkler's there, and he's gonna save the day. Except he gets fucking murdered too. The fines. They said they had they had to kill Henry Winkler there because there hadn't been a murder in so long and during yeah. that part of the movie. You have to think about Bob Weinstein and Harvey Weinstein at this time. They didn't. The mention had just started. Like they, yeah. the, their horror label was just kind of a thing. Do you have any comments on Dimension or like? Any of that kind of shit. Yeah, like, they but, just, yeah, like Dimension was like newer. It was like their, their horror label. Um, I think later it kind of became their like straight to video label. But um, yeah, for a while there it was just like boom out of the gate like Dimension. It was like here's Dimension and we're gonna give you Scream and like Phantoms, just all these like Night Watch, crazy random horror movies that all had like the same poster. 
I don't know if you remember that. Like they were all like the floating head poster, like all sexy. That was that was in my scary. That's in my notes where it's just the floating heads of teenagers. Well, the original movie poster wasn't really anyone. People say it's not even it's not even Drew Barrymore. Those posters came out like later, but like it was just like you know it's a girl's face with a hand, you know them hand yeah. across it. It's not really anybody's face. And then they're like, oh shit, this movie this movie's making money. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're like, look at all these hot people in the movie now, <laughs> and this like it just ruined movie posters for like the next 10 years after that like every one of those movies was just like floating head like hot person hot person hot person teenager one adult <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah they took all the they took all the teenage acting jobs away from adults from the 80s you yeah know? they did yeah you can't be 30 and play an 18 year old now bummer man yeah <laughs> <laughs> well like okay henry winkler i don't think he's even credited in the movie i really at the time i mean he wasn't. He didn't make his big comeback. I mean, people knew. Yeah, it's not a Tarantino you, movie. Yeah, dude. I know. But I mean, like, <laughs> hey. I mean, you weren't uh, like not, most of the people watching this movie probably weren't big Happy Days fans. <laughs> but like, people now probably just know him from Adam Sandler movies and shit. It's true. It's like Bob Barker or something. They don't know what the fuck they're watching. Yeah, yeah like so, I, I saw him and I was like, hey, isn't that that dude from that show my grandfather watches? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he actually hold he's holding uh, one of the K and B masks. I think he cuts up a couple of them. I can't remember. I can't imagine how many he cut up for that scene. But I think he, uh, was that improv? Like, did he come up with that idea uh, with the scissors and everything? Yeah. And um, actually, the story that I heard was that this, that scene was filmed shortly after they finally made the deal with Fun World. And Fun World was sending them over like a, like a box of those masks. And they were supposed to arrive that day. And the delivery was late and they were shooting that scene and he's like they they did like multiple takes, so he's like cutting through all these K and B masks. And they God got to the damn. Point where like, dude, we're almost like out of masks. Like, is that box coming or not? And it did end up coming, but they kind of started to panic because they're like, He's cutting every fucking one of the masks that we have. Like that box has <laughs> to be Yeah, and uh, those were real scissors. He's like Getting at those kids' clothes and shit like those. Oh are, yeah, those fucking shears are this big. What the fuck are you cutting? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking principal. High school <laughs> principal stuff. Jesus Christ. Children. He opens up the closet and there's his leather jacket from Happy Days yeah. in the closet. Uh, and when he actually gets killed, I think it's the one of the last times. I could be wrong that you actually see the KMB mask or that you see it later on, because sometimes yeah, like, some the of those shots are so fast. Well. So the can be, yeah, so it's in the kill scene and then it's in the stalking scenes that everybody makes fun of, like where Ghostface is in the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get apples too. That's, I think, the last, one of the last times you see it, yeah. yeah. That was a ballsy move for him to be in the grocery store, man, especially with a murderer on the loose. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even Halloween. You know, it's not like Michael Myers gets in the car and drives around, you know. Jason Voorhees gets on a bus in part two and goes yeah. goes to the apartment complex to kill, you know, yeah. to kill her and then gets back to the camp with a bag on his head the whole time. This is way ballsier. Ballsier. Yeah, yeah okay. just, just going around stalking people. But hey, you know what tonight is? Tonight's the party. Yeah. They're like, everybody's being murdered. Let's have a party. Oh my god! It's and like, we'll, let's go back to the video store real quick. Oh, sorry. There's a scene that when if you go back and look at it now, which I know all Scream fans know, is that when Stu and Billy are basically back to back with Randy, the look in their eyes is like you're like holy fuck. Especially Stu, he's just loving it because he can he he knows yeah. you know it's like you have no fucking idea. You're talking about prom night and shit, dude. Yeah. You're in it. 
He's like, he's like. I mean, he basically does the like foreshadowing the end of the movie where he's just like over his shoulder and they're like looking at each other. And he's like, and he's over there like it's a simple formula. <laughs> they're like, you fucking nerd! I'm gonna kill the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, the the woman in the background. They actually with Griffin talked about how trying to find the right person to give the right shitty look to Randy when he's talking about oh, trying yeah. to fuck trying to <laughs> fuck Sydney and then shitting on Billy in the horror section, and she's just like and just walks away. I was like, shit, man. <laughs> She's like, I'm just trying to rent Happy Gilmore, and this guy's over here raving about fucking prom night, and I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I just had to go back on that one scene, because when you go back and look at it, it's so fucking telling. And, um, you know, if, uh, surprise, there's two killers in the movie, motherfuckers. If you haven't seen Scream, why are you listening to us right now? But anyways, yeah, I love that scene, and I love going yeah. back, and you can just, it's just so telling, it's so great. And that's the thing about this movie, and people have done it since and before, is like going back to watch a movie again and again and again to see all of the little notes that are oh, in yeah. there. Also, when he says prom night, it pans over to a poster of Mother's Boys starring Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! <laughs> Um, even the scene at the fountain when they're when he's describing how to fucking how they killed Casey. So that's the thing that some people talk about is like who is killing who and when. What are your thoughts on that? Um, so I think pretty much it's as far as Scream One goes, everybody I think it's been like pretty much solved that it was mostly Stu for the most part doing the killings. Obviously, um it's believed that Billy is the one that killed Tatum just because Stu was actually in the party at the time. Um, which is interesting because I've had a lot of people say like, well, it doesn't make sense because after Tatum's killed, Ghostface kind of slowly goes back into the house. And then next thing you know, uh, Billy shows up at the front door. So it could have been him. But when we were at Scream Comes Home at the actual house, we figured it out. There's actually a, a side door to the house that goes outside that's not seen in the movie anywhere, but it's right by the kitchen. There's literally a door that goes outside right by the kitchen. Um, so it makes sense why they didn't show it because literally while they're like, they've got Sydney in the corner, like there's literally a door like three feet from her. Um, so, and it's right off the garage. So in oh, my wow. mind, like Billy kills Tatum. He goes back into the house, leaves the costume there for Stu, exits that door, then comes around to the front like he was never there. Fuck. Yeah, and I think you can actually stay in that house now, can't you? That's nuts. I love that. It's an Airbnb. It's an Airbnb. I don't know if it's an Airbnb, <laughs> but I have seen links. Where's that? At? It's in wine. It's like in wine country, California, right? I don't know where the first ho- where Stu's house is. Santa Rosa. Yeah. Yeah, and you said you've been to it. Yep. That's fucking amazing, man. So there, that gets that's the question I've always thought. When you're looking at the house straight on, there is that door. To the back of the garage. Is that the one you're talking about? Like, here's the front. Here's the garage. There's, as it far, looks like a door. Yeah, so when you go, like, when you're on, like, the porch, like, the porch that you see in the movies, like, where Dewey's at, mm-hmm. uh, when you walk in that door, basically you're in, like, the front foyer where, like, the staircase goes up, the Billy comes down, whatnot. Um, and then if you walk straight ahead, if you just keep walking straight, um like past the living room, which was actually the dining room, but they made it into a living room. Then there's the back door that also goes outside. You do see that in the movie, but in the kitchen, when you're literally in the kitchen, right beside where they have Sydney cornered is a door that goes, it's like the side door. It just goes side porch. And that's why they never show it because obviously she could just go right out that door. Um, But it is there. 
but basically when you're in the kitchen you walk through like a little hallway and then there's the door that goes into the garage speaking of so, the garage speaking of the garage we got to talk about we got to talk about this this kill scene Oh, Tatum. It's Tatum. a cold garage. It's a very cold garage. <laughs> it's the coldest garage you've ever been She's in. She's the beer wench. <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly negative 40 degrees. <laughs> it turns garage. that light on. You're like, hello. But, uh, yeah, so Stu, uh, she she walks out to get, get Stu a beer because he's being a prick, right? And uh, she goes out there and then fucking Ghostface is behind her. She's like, oh, stop it, you. Just get the fuck out of my way. It's the first time that the word Ghostface is used in the film, and they still didn't even name it that until sequels later. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> I love I love when he looks down at her and he's like, he's like nods his head like, yeah. Oh, Mr. Ghostface. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, yeah. I love that part. Oh, man. But she gets... She gets she gets a little little bit violated there. I think she Stabbed. kicks his ass, and it looks awesome. She does. She yeah. does. And, and she kicks- actually threw those bottles, if I'm correct, yes. at, the, yeah. uh, at the stunt double. Yep. Yeah, yeah, because that's what he's getting paid for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just let him know who's boss. He took a bottle right to the dick in that fucking scene, <laughs> <He> man. <did>. Like <laughs> Robocop shoots people in the dick. Tatum does too. <laughs> but then she then 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 her death scene. She's trying to get to the little I guess doggy door in your garage. Yeah, I don't know. It's like a pet door. Is that what that is? And is, is it still there? No, that's not there anymore. Fuck that place. Yeah. <laughs> we we tried when we did the event there. We tried to have the owner. We're like, we'll pay to have a doggy door like put in, and then we'll like pay to have it put back. And he was like, no. And I'm like, oh my god, the, the photo ops would have been amazing. Yes, <laughs> holy shit. But uh, but uh, apparently, that's something I read because you know she gets caught in the doggy door, and it's the most goddamn powerful garage door you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like the one, yeah. the one at my parents' house. Like you could fucking throw a rock at it, and that shit would fall. Like the, the motors in those things aren't that good, but this one, it'll fucking cut you in half almost. <laughs> oh yeah. But the thing I read was like the reason why she had the sweater on is because like she kept like falling through it. Like they couldn't keep her in the goddamn thing. So. I thought that was a cool. No, little, that's amazing. That's the best kill in the. That's my favorite kill in the movie. That it's is probably besides the opening scene. That's probably the second most gruesome one because her head just gets smashed right up there when they get up to the top. Well, that's just not just gruesome. Like you know who? Like how many movies have you saw, saw like watched and been like that garage door is gonna kill somebody? <laughs> <laughs> like the only the only time I've been scared to see somebody die from some, a door falling on them or something like that was like Indiana Jones. But I was young and I didn't know he was gonna live. <laughs> Getting too old for this I shit. Didn't, I didn't know there were a bunch of sequels. At the time. I mean, think about that the party scene. And, and it talks about the 90s and what you were going back to is a time much more of innocence. Like, there's a fucking serial killer on the loose, or at least a spree killer or a mass killer. And they're like, let's all get drunk and party, even though there's a curfew. And everybody's like, just normal with it. Yeah. Hey, but the cops showed up. The cops showed up to make sure nobody gets too yeah, fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dewey and Gale show up. Yeah. Let me tell you what didn't happen to parties when I was in high school. The cops, when they showed up, they weren't like, nah, it's fine, everybody. It was like, everybody's like, get the fuck out. <laughs> like, everybody was running. He walks in, takes the beer away, and says, ah, oh, have a good time. Yeah, you kids. <laughs> and we haven't even really talked there, there about- There weren't body cameras back then. <laughs> we haven't even really talked about Dewey. Like, Dewey, the deputy- 
David Arquette. David Arquette coming from a fantastic family of of, of actors. Oh, Arquettes. Yeah, yeah man. That's, dad, that's what they are called. They're, yeah. all, they're called the Arquettes, Arquette. guys. Good job. His dad's the sheriff in the second one. I know. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's all know, he's the bumbling cop. And, I, you know, he, people know that. He came from, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, fucking, what's the other? I mean, he, he did, like, these all these teen movies. And then he got he gets this role, and I think it was supposed to be what like a, a steroid guy, like a big buff dude. And do you have any stories on that? Like any knowledge to throw basically, at us? Basically, um, Wes just loved he just loved David. He loved his audition, um, and he was just like, "We need him in this movie in some some capacity." Um, so they just basically changed it to you know a bumbling idiot. I kind of <laughs> like, didn't like a that lovable one. idiot. Yeah, yeah, it, it works. It, it grows works on out. me though. It grew on me watching it over and over again. But like, I the part I really like that I never really picked up on growing up was like when him and the sheriff are talking. And the sheriff's smoking a cigarette and he's got the ice cream cone. Oh, yeah. And like every time he takes a puff of the cigarette, he's like licking the ice cream cone. Yeah, and it's like such a like perfect representation of how like childlike that he is throughout the whole movie. And he wants to be taken funny. seriously. Yeah. Mom says when I'm wearing this uniform, you treat me like a man of the law. I think he all he says that he's he's like, I'm twenty five years old, man, or something like oh, that. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I've been twenty four for a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> and at this point Gail is using him because she's like, Hey, look, I'll just fuck the town idiot and then like, you know, <laughs> I'll give my story and I can write my I can write my book. So they're they're there at the party. It's how you ruin a. I wrote how to ruin a party, sheriff and reporter. That's how you ruin a party, but it didn't because it was the nineties and the fucking nineties were the wild west. It was. I've told those stories about huffing gas and blowing shit up in the backyard, drinking Mountain Dew and getting crazy. Yeah, imagine you get Don G from Wave Three shows up at your house. (laughs) You're like, but you forget because. Like the 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 great thing that they set up in that film is the as the time lag on the cameras that they they have and, the, and then what they're going to actually see and that really plays out really well. Yeah, because Gail Gail gets in there and she puts a little camera in, just like I'm just going to set this inconspicuous camera right here where nobody can see it, and it's noticeable. It's this but, big. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was high tech though. Yeah, yeah. It, they're watching a movie where the camera's going to be at and they don't see it. <laughs> Shut up! It's they, like it's just like the Simpsons when they put that big camera in Homer's hat, and he's like, he's like, just to go, don't pay attention to the hat. I'm just a normal customer. <laughs> I just, yeah, go ahead, Dave. But, but, I'm sorry. But, all right, so Gail and Dewey go off on their own. They're like, we're gonna go for a walk. There's well, a report of a car, yeah, abandoned. So they go for a walk, and at this time they're walking, you know, doing their thing, and they they're starting to get a Kenny's relationship. Kenny's eating his Cheetos. Yeah, they're starting to get a relationship, <laughs> and then the uh, a bunch of kids in the party is like, "Hey guys, want to go see a dead body? The fucking fucking principal's been hung up by the goalpost. Stand by me, two point oh. Yeah, <laughs> let's go check out the dead body at the field goal. And so they tear ass out of there, and they're all drunk. They almost run over the sheriff and Gail, which that would have been. That would have been weird for the for the future of the series if they did. Yeah, but, they did one person on the poster, and then <laughs> and then they find a car. Whose car is it, Steve? It's the dad. Yes, dun, dun, dun. Neil oh, Neil Prescott. <laughs> Neil Prescott's car. Holy shit! At this point in your mind, you're like, this guy might be fucking doing it. Think about it. His wife was whoring around, and she got murdered. Maybe he was the one that murdered. That's what they got in your head. Yeah. If you weren't paying attention. That's what they got your... If you weren't paying attention to all of the notes. If you you didn't hear the video store scene. If you didn't watch Prom Night. If you didn't watch Prom Night, you have no clue. It's a formula. (laughs) So anyways, 
At this point, go ahead. Dude. Everybody, all the kids fucking bounce out. They've got the car now. At this point, you got the. You've got Randy. Randy. You've got Stu. Stu. And then Billy shows up. And Billy shows up. You know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they wrote the, they wrote that whole scene just to get all the kids out of the house. Well, yes, but we did miss something. Oh, we missed a lot. We the horror movie. The, the movie rules. We're like drunk and I don't know. Yeah, we drinking. got the movie rules. The, the, yeah. the horror movie rules. Randy's rules. Oh yeah, you have to t- you have to talk about that scene and how perfect how how perfect that is. I almost said imperfect. How imperfect that fucking rule is. It's so great. Carry on, somebody. Randy's rules. Randy's rules. Do you know them by heart? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> you think so? All right, lay them on us. Lay them on us, Nate. Number one, you could never have sex. Never. Boo, big no-no. Yes. Number two, never drink or do drugs. Nah. Number three, never ever under any circumstance to say, I'll be right back, because you won't be back. And then that's when that's when Matthew Lillard's like, I'll, I'll be, be right, right back. <laughs> and he goes to the side door that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and gets the costume. He's looking like Hugh Hefner, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fucking... He's wearing that fucking like, robe the whole time. And so the kitchen in Stu's house is such an homage to weird science. Like, I want to say, Stu, your kitchen is blue. <laughs> I mean, Weird Science is one of my favorite comic book movies that nobody talks about as a comic book movie. But that's where they got the idea of the of the... The story, the title, everything. It's a, it's a comic book movie based on the weird science. And I was like, fuck yeah, look at that. <laughs> I'm probably the only person in the whole theater that got a hard on. Sorry, go ahead. So I, was like, <laughs> I don't know. If I, was, if I was watching a movie and somebody was like, holy shit, it's the fucking kitchen from weird science, I'd be like, I need to know this person. <laughs> right? <laughs> What's going like, on here? Quiet in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have thrown popcorn at me. Shut it down, nerd. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> fuck you guys. Anyways, so, so at this point, Billy comes in. He's talking to Sydney. He's like, "Oh, baby, you know." Maybe <laughs> Is that not, how it goes, Dave? I don't. Know. I don't think that's the line. <laughs> well, anyways, he he lays his game out, and it works. Yeah, to don't fear the reaper. That's right. The sexy don't finally fear the reaper. gives it up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is this coincides with when Randy is being stalked. Yes, yes, because Randy is in the house by himself, drunk and alone. And just talking to like, himself. Like every nerd in the you 90s. The, you got the fucking cameraman out there that's like watching this whole thing on a 30-second re- on a, on a, uh, delay. Second delay. Yeah. And then this is when Gail and Dewey find out that that's uh, Neil Preston's car. So they're trying to race back. So all this is kind of happening at once. Yes. We're bringing all the characters back. Because we got to get the murdering done. The yeah. murdering? <laughs> got to get the killing done. You this sound is, like a fucking Henry Lee Lucas. <laughs> this is like 50 minutes of the movie. Yeah. This whole, this whole scene. This whole scene that we're just zipping through. <laughs> it's 50 <laughs> minutes of the movie. <laughs> well, this podcast can't last can't for fucking it, yeah. three hours, man. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, sir. Exactly. So he finally, she, she breaks the rules. Everybody breaks the fucking rules in this movie. Randy should know better. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, the soundtrack on this part. This is when it's got the, the Halloween is playing. And he's saying, Jamie, don't look. Don't do it. No, is that on purpose? Was that on accident? How did they come up with that? Do you know, Nate? Um, I don't think that they wrote it uh, obviously like it was written that they were watching halloween um but obviously they didn't, when kevin wrote it he didn't know that they were going to hire an actor with the name jamie uh, <laughs> so i think it just kind of came came to be on set of like oh wouldn't it be really funny if you know you're literally saying jamie turn around behind you and your name's jamie and the killer's actually behind you 
It's so perfect. Yeah. And it goes, the, st- the stalking music is just so perfect. Well, I guess at the time Dimension, didn't they just, they just bought the Halloween franchise because they put out Halloween H2O. Yeah, like, we'll really, get into that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How the, the influence of this movie really just blew up everywhere. And we'll definitely get to that when we're done talking about this particular amazing fucking landmark film, Dave. We yes. <laughs> so we have our we have our sex scene, and we've already heard Red Right Hand by this time, at least once. At least like five times. <laughs> at yeah. least once or twice. Um, so, so what happens is that yeah they they uh, this is when Kenny sees the kid. He's like, "Kid, turn around, turn around, kid, turn around." Yeah, and then he opens up the van door, and Kenny gets it. Kenny That's gets right. it. And yep. they they edited his kill scene a lot, and I think it's because the rest of the film was very graphic. There's a whole war with the MPAA that Nick, yeah. that uh, uh, Wes Craven. I almost said Nicholas Cage, wrong guy. <laughs> he always fights everybody. Ghostface, <laughs> fight. Do you uh, do you know any of the stories of the uh, of Wes and the MPAA, and then his fights with like Bob Weinstein was like basically the godfather of this movie. He made everything. He's always the one. Harvey was too busy being a douchebag, jerking off in a fucking <laughs> corner or something. Um, yeah, uh, basically, you know, they just, you know, the, the MPA, as they always did, they came down really hard on it because it's a horror movie and a slasher movie. Um, and it was it was a big battle. It was like, no, like your movie literally won't be seen by anyone. It will never be seen in a theater unless you make like all these specific cuts. And it was just uh, I know Wes felt that it was like being butchered. Um and I know part of his argument was like, what basically, like, what difference does it make? Like, I understand it's like you're, you're, it's like, what difference does it make if we see the guts fall out versus if they're already hanging out? Like, <laughs> what is this minuscule? And it's just a power play from the MPA, but you know, it's just one of those things you have to play the game. You want the movie to be released in as many theaters as possible. It has to be, it has to have a rating that's not NC 17. So they just did what they had to do. Uh, I think the movie was still really graphic, even after they made the cuts. But obviously, I would much prefer the the original version. I think it was much more brutal. Well, I think a lot of a lot of directors will do that too. They'll make some over the top fucking scene in there so something else stays. Oh yeah, yeah. and Wes actually did that in Scream too. That was because of what happened with Scream One. He over like filmed like he made it like as graphic as possible with two intentionally knowing like they're going to come back they're going to make me cut all this stuff but that's okay because i want to cut it because i that's not the movie i want to make and then he fucking showed it to the mpa and they were like okay you're good and he's like oh man this yeah. like, oh, hey, man. No. You, not his first rodeo you'd be surprised what people can get it get away with uh like the show hannibal there's a scene in the show hannibal oh where where these people are are cut open and their their backs are splayed open like they're angels yeah so like they talk to the the um, the blood the, wings the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, they talk to the uh the special effects makeup guy and he's just laughing the whole time because he said they came back and said well you can't show their naked asses on tv you have to cover that up. And he's just laughing the whole time in the interview. He's like, so you're telling me. These people are fucking, they're just ripped apart. But their asses are the problems. They said, so we just blurred it out, and that was that. Yeah. So, yeah. You, you know, different times, I guess. Definitely different times. This was before Columbine. This is before that, but they were still fighting because this, as Nate was saying, like this this movie was trying to do things differently than they were were. Because they got so silly in the, in the early 90s because they had to deal with the MPAA. Yeah. Look at Friday the 13th Part 7. There's nobody getting stabbed in that movie. 
Yeah. People kind of forget that. Like, oh, this movie is bullshit. <laughs> What's your favorite Friday the 13th movie? It's usually, four, you know, like three, four, and seven, maybe six. Yeah. There's hardly any blood in part seven. Seven is the one that was always on TV the most because of the lack of violence in it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So they, they just started dumbing things down and getting sillier and sillier and sillier. So this is like the perfect balance. But goddamn, K&B brought the fucking guts in this movie. Yeah. It's fantastic. Speaking of violence. Oh, I love violence. So after after Sydney and Billy get done doing their thing, right? Here comes fucking Ghostface. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you broke the rules now. Mama's got to set you straight. <laughs> and uh, Skeet has uh, has talked about him saying that he asked Wes if he could every, periodically just view, like, look at the door that, uh, that Stu was supposed to come in. Just to kind of, like, let anybody who would go back and watch the movie again know that he knows somebody's coming. Yeah. But we don't. So if you watch that scene again, he's putting his shoes on, I think. Yeah. And she's on the bed, and she's kind of like, that was really good, but uh, you're probably still a killer. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of just kind of see him glance over at the door that Stu will be coming in. It's a really great scene. Yeah, that was one of the notes I made was that rewatching it, I was like, it's so obvious now when I watch it how everybody, like, he's just vividly describing at the beginning of the movie how to, like, how to gut a deer. I was like, how do you gut some or whatever? And he says, and he, he just, like, describes it yeah, exactly the way that it happened. Yeah, he's fucking, <laughs> still pull, Stu pulls, like, an Ed Gein. He's yeah. like, take a knife. Yeah, just do this. Yeah, and I'm I mean, like, yeah, he's the killer. Why did nobody else <laughs> realize that yet? It's obvious, but it's obvious. But now we get to all the good kid, the good stuff. Like, Gail finds the van. She's like, oh, shit. Fucking blood everywhere. Get in the van. Do he get stabbed? Bam. <laughs> this is the good shit. Our, yeah. All our friends are dying. Yeah, I mean, no, this is the good stuff. It's fun, man, because like she's trying to get away. Fucking blood everywhere. Do you it's have crazy. any stories from the set that you uh, that you have acquired over the years about the ending of this film or any of the things that we haven't even talked about yet? Uh, I mean, the main one with the ending pretty much was just you know how grueling the final like scenes were to shoot. And how much blood was used, and it was just like uh, you know, it was night shoots, and it was just uh, it was miserable for everybody basically, and you know, everybody's just covered in the sticky blood, and um, th- there's the story that Kevin still tells to uh, in, in interviews occasionally where he was actually he came on set at one point during the filming of the ending scenes, and he was so like mortified by just how much blood you know Billy and Stu stab each other and they're just covered in blood. there's blood everywhere and uh to the point that he actually like pulled Wes aside and was like like is this necessary like <laughs> is, I'm, I'm queasy with how much blood there was and and Wes famously just grabbed his copy of the script and he just handed it to Kevin and said you wrote this I'm literally bringing to life what you wrote you tell me how I'm supposed to make what you wrote without all this blood and kevin was just like you know what you're right i got you you know you do your job you know you're right it's like a power play you should be thanking me i'm bringing your vision to life like before he did scream he had sold the script to killing mrs tingle yeah which he would eventually direct himself and rename it because then they had to have like had to change the title because it was a school yeah teaching mrs tingle uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's perfect because like, you're like, here you go, buddy. You know, this, this nightmare you wrote, Yeah, this is it. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, they made, I think they made t-shirts that like, I survived scene, blah, blah, blah. Oh, like, that's and, right. I have heard about the movie. That. Do you have any of those? Do you no, know I, that... I had one of those. Originally. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think Rose McGowan said like at the rap party, they had like wine that they made for it and she still had her bottle of wine from it. That still said scary movie on it. 
Yeah, there's actually a video of her with that. Uh, yeah. I've seen her that interview of her. Um, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Oh no. <laughs> Ghost phase comes. People are fucking dying left and right. Are they? Nah, not really. Not really. They're sort of getting just stabbed a lot. We're we're, we're winding down. Kenny, poor Kenny dies. Meatloaf died in the movie. You know. Yes. He's Meatloaf. Ken, Kenny, Ken, Kenny, Kenny died. Kenny died. But now we get now we get the the unveiling of the plot. Why are they doing it? It's, it's, it's Stu and it's Billy and they're killing people. Why? Why are they doing it? Because, because your slut mother was fucking my father and she moved out and abandoned poor Billy. That's a direct quote, isn't it? <laughs> Good one. I like it. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> so he's got mommy issues. And he killed a bunch of people. And the look on Stu's face is almost like, oh shit, I thought I was just having fun and, and I kind of want to fuck you maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he had no idea. Yeah, and I like the, the, the at the time, people didn't even talk about it, but now, especially in 2022, they talk about the uh, connection of, like, maybe even Stu is bisexual, which is kind of empowering to people, which is great, and they're like, you know, I could be a serial killer, too. I'm like, well, fuck, <laughs> you took a really good thing, and you fucking said that? Yeah. <laughs> tag team and tag team. I was like, do your thing, but damn. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well he, he like looks at her and he's like, "We don't need." He's like, he's, he says, "Like I don't have a motive." And he's like, "Wait, let me explain my entire motive real quick." <laughs> right. And and what uh, uh, Matthew Lillard did he improvise most of that? I think so. Yeah. 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 When they are, uh, this is before they bring out the dad and they start stabbing each other and all that stuff. Uh, it's such a great scene that they lead. They they they're building up to, and Matthew Lillard pretty much just invented that whole like he became a whole other character at the end. Yeah, and he like you said, he's foaming at the mouth. It's yeah, so he's like great. spitting everywhere, and that whole the part where he's like, he's like, my mom and dad are gonna be so mad. Oh man! Now that was definitely improv. Yeah, that was if I remember correctly. Yeah, but that's that's great because that that little scene makes him more human. Like he's like starting to see because things aren't going the way they should now. No, because he's he's bleeding out. She's getting away. She's fucking with them, and like he's just like he's it's snapping in his mind, and yeah. you really get it yeah. from his acting there and what the way he's portraying his character that he's like, oh shit, I'm fucked. I'm either gonna die or I'm going to jail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dewey and Gail are both fucked right now. They're out of the scene. Uh, you've got then Heather coming clean to Sydney, and she's just like, wow, I fucked you. <laughs> <laughs> And he even throws that in her face. It's so awful. Yeah. Well, this is my favorite line is like whenever Sydney's like getting, finally kills him or whatever, but she like looks at him and she's like, say hello to your mother. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Fuck me, dude. But I think like what I read, there was like uh, they cut out a line that like Sydney says, which is that's for having an itty bitty little weenie. Oh, they should have left that in. I, for, I, I saw that on one of the documentaries that they cut that out. Oh, man. Was it on Still Screaming? There's so I think many it was now. on Still Screaming. Yeah. I, I've tried to, over the years, I have tried to devour even like the fan films. There's one in like, in a, it's, it's, it's all subtitled. It's great. It's, I think it's called Scream Returns. Have you seen that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's surprisingly good. There's actually a really good CG scene, like where they're like, playing a video game. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but, um, but, Holy shit, man! This whole end scene—it gets bloodier and bloodier and bloodier. And apparently, that the a lot of the cast went out into the into the field and let their fucking clothes on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! As one does. <laughs> no, but now they're like, "Fuck!" That could have got like thirty thousand dollars out of this sweater. You think yeah. Nev Campbell wants to sell a sweater? She probably could. Though. No, and they had to talk her back every single time. It seems like in every in all of the sequels. Well, she's got that Marvel money now, so she doesn't really. Does she have Marvel money? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not she's a Marvel in person. She's fucking Captain America, right? Was she? Yeah. 
Was she? I'm pretty sure. I think, no, he, I think Ace is drunk. I think I think you're thinking of something. I think you had too many beers, sir. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> anyways, the Drunk Club Caught Podcast. So, so Sydney, Sydney gets away and she turns the fucking tables. Turns the tables. Now she's calling like. She's calling them. She's calling them on their cell phones. I, I guess the uh, I guess phones. I guess the, the 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 voice changer is stuck in the mask or something because it, it's working. <laughs> she fucking stabs him. She stabs Billy. It's oh, going man. down. She stabs him with an umbrella. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. So I would just like to say that Sydney Prescott is the most gruesome killer in this series. <laughs> <laughs> She's what? she she has. Look at her fucking body count. We'll get to the rest of her body count. Go ahead. She fucking murders the shit out of people. Yeah, it's great. So uh, this one, this one, Gail. Gail's the one that shoots Billy, right? Well, okay. D- right. Go ahead and go through the through the ending with this, there, Nate. Yeah. So Gail does shoot Billy initially, but he does come back for that one last scare where Sydney finishes him off by shooting him in the head. So See? she does technically kill Billy. You got to have a carry ending. Yeah. <laughs> and they make the joke like, "Oh, they always they always come back." Well, they, just like, they, they set the whole thing up, and it's a perfect, uh, in their minds, a perfect murder, and they got it all set up, and then Billy gets mad and starts fucking up the whole area. I'm like, yeah. you're covered in dow feathers and shit, dude. How are you going to explain this whole <laughs> ending now? <laughs> That's my Your feet print, and you, I mean, I get it. You are attacking each other, and it's like, that worked, and then then she he just loses it. You can really see his psychotic break at the end, and he's like, yeah. God, I'm going to cut you up, bitch, but first, fuck these pillows yeah he's just like covered in feathers <laughs> right and poor Stu that's pretty much the telling like it's a great death because it, it's like he is so enamored but in movies she kills him with the thing that he loves the most a fucking television yeah here's your movie you're trying to make me into a goddamn you know a victim in a movie here's your goddamn here's your god now yeah and he's like no <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't add the Wilhelm scream like yeah <laughs> so when she stabs Billy in the chest, like, like, wasn't there like he had surgery or something, right? Yeah, he had like open heart surgery as a child, as a small child. Oh shit! So okay. I guess, yeah, I guess there's like some a very small, like really small spot on his chest that, like, if it's even like tapped, it's like excruciating pain that drops him to his knees, and oh, that was the spot that she accidentally stuck him with that collapsible that retractable umbrella yeah and they actually put something on his chest to protect him and she was like nope so so (laughs) so what you're telling me is billy is like smog he's just he's just got that one little piece in his arm that one piece that doesn't believe she's all up there like fucking barred gonna get him yeah it's great holy shit so the whole I love the, I love when Gail comes in. I know we're all over the place, but when Gail comes in, they're telling the whole plot, and she's like, "I got a better story, motherfucker." You know, she walks on you two dumb dipshits, and then Nev Campbell's like, "I like that ending. That's a great fucking scene, man." Yeah. And the look in her eye is like, "That's I don't like you, but fuck yeah, I know I knocked you out like half hour ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're on the same page now. It's That's fucking right. great. You really bond when you murder somebody with somebody else." <laughs> He has a real "told you so" moment. There. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Well, let's wrap this up. I mean, it's it's you. We find out that Dewey lives, and I think that was was that planned, written, or did they just do that? Did they did they, did they film different endings for that? Yeah. Uh, basically, Dewey was scripted to die, um, and Wes just I don't know. Wes loved him, his character so much, so he insisted on filming like one take of him getting like carted off in the ambulance still alive. 
and he left it up to the test screening that they did. It was just like, oh, if the audience really loves that character, then we'll add that scene. Um, and so they did. The audience, they showed it to the first time, loved that character. And that was something they were complaining about. They're like, oh, we wish Dewey didn't die. So they added that scene in. So, Oh, it's like, you know, how they saved yeah. Buster Rhymes because he was supposed to <laughs> die and trick or treat, motherfucker. And we're all endured with this fucking character. No, fuck that. I mean, yeah. I do. Dewey is a great character. I love when he answers, he comes out with the gun and the underwear earlier and he's like, hello. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> And then if you, that's me. I couldn't imagine the sequels without him being in them. I mean, that's he's like a yeah. big part of it. It yeah. would really change the series as a whole if he would, if he just died, or if he'd have been some like steroided out fucking douchebag. Yeah, you know that that character is very pivotal to the rest of the movies, which we're going to talk about later. Yeah, and, and also <laughs> inspired the character of Officer Doofy in Scary Movie. <laughs> <laughs> he fucking, uh, they cart him off, they end the scene, and if you think about what Gail says when she picks up that microphone, is exactly how the movie begins, with a scream, over almost a 911 call, but it's not a 911 call, but the, when you first see the word scream, it's a ring and a scream and it's fucking what a great way to end it yeah. just as say she's describing it as they're going in and she's like into this house of horrors come on <laughs> on <Yeah>. current affair <laughs> yeah and then scream ends and changed this fucking horror the face of horror for years oh yeah i mean we're still talking about it even though this movie the newest one maybe not have had never been made we'd still be talking about scream yeah absolutely. i mean you might not have seen it yet dead days but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i went back no. and see it how did it? How did you think that it changed the landscape of horror? Like I have my own opinions. I think we all do, but from Nate, <laughs> I think in general it just uh, you know the slasher genre especially was like dead. It was essentially over. I mean, horror wasn't dead. Uh, I mean, it wasn't doing great at the time, but it wasn't dead. But the slasher genre in general was just completely like dead, and it absolutely revived it and brought it back almost to a point where. It was reminiscent of the 80s where it was just like one after another, after another, after another, you know, which you could argue there was good things and bad things about it. We got a lot of good horror movies out of it, got a lot of shitty ones, but uh, it was fun to kind of see that happen again, where it was like every weekend there was something new. There was a different slasher movie in the theaters or that you could rent or whatever. Yeah, I think it was really a slap to the face of the 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 the, the just a slap to the face in a good way for yeah. the slasher genre. Like, get your shit together. Yeah, stop making shitty movies. Yeah, stop. You can make money on these movies if you do it the right way. Don't treat your audience like they're fucking children. Right, especially American audiences. That's at this point in time. It's a really good thing to think about. This is when I started watching more Japanese horror films. Yeah, and I still watched them up into the mid two thousands because that was the best horror at the time. Like. Those movies were taken seriously. They were scared. They, you know, adults could jump and be like, "Oh shit!" They, you cared about the characters, but like, and then you have Scream come out, and and then the, not only the slasher genre, but they thought horror could do it again. And they, but then they fucked up and just kept marketing it over and over as yeah. sexy and cool and sweet. And I was like, "Motherfucker!" Even the Phantoms, which has nothing to do with sexy people, yeah, the, it's just floating heads, like yeah. you said. Uh, what was the next film? I mean, you have like I know you did last summer, which is actually written by Kevin Williamson. 
Um, I mean, Valentine comes out. All these different slasher movies. Uh, then they then they start jumping on the remakes. But at least they gave monies back. Monies <laughs> gave right. money back to the people who. Then they started pulling out people from like the crypt. Like, hey, Wes Craven, you want to do another movie? Yeah. George Romero. George Romero didn't have a fucking career. He did Bruiser, which was awful. Yeah, well, it's got the Misfits in it. <laughs> uh, the I tell a horrible story about that Bruiser movie, but I'm not. I'll hold it to myself. Yeah, but you can't deny how it changed things. And then marketing. Marketing. I mean, I've got an old phone here that you pick it up and it has Ghostface's hand. Like he's hello, Sydney, and you can actually pull, you know, do the old rotary. I got yeah. that at like a video store when the when the second one came out. Like those kind of things. Like marketing. Uh, like fucking phone cards. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever pick up that phone sometimes and go like, "It's hello, Sydney." Like wrong number. It needs batteries. It's got three sayings. <laughs> yeah, and if you touch the uh, the like offering the receiver part, it'll just ring. Or you can walk by it like like a, like a NECA figure. It has a sensor, and it'll just ring. And you pick it up, and it's Ghostface talking to you. And he's got little three sayings. I mean, I hardly I've never really seen that phone hardly anywhere else. But there's so many things. I mean, I can't imagine what your collection. What is your favorite thing that you have? Like, what's your treasured object? And God damn it, you can make us cry. Because we're never going to get it. <laughs> uh, from the first film, if you have anything. So, let's see. From the first film. So, from the first film would probably either be, like, one of the original production scripts. Like, that when it was still called Scary Movie, it still has, like, notes written in it from, like, the crew member. Oh, wow. Um or one of the like production masks that I have from it, so probably one of those. Yeah, that's awesome. That is great. That is, that is really cool. <laughs> that's not the one on the Mortal Kombat machine, right? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just flopping over there. Hey, that one would be behind glass and very uh... protected. Okay, got glass and and lasers around it. Yeah. <laughs> well. I- I always ask a question at the end of every yeah, episode. We're going to wind this episode up. <laughs> and this is my question for this one. We're going to ask you first, Nate. <clears throat> what is your favorite 90s trope in Scream? The most 90s thing in there that's your favorite. It can't make it easy either. God damn it, you're a dick. Here, I'll start. Jiffy Pop. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Jiffy Pop. Um, I would say maybe the fact that the entire video store is just VHS. Holy shit, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ace? Uh, I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna say all the Frito Lay product placement in this movie. Because like that dude is constantly just like eating snacks and it's like right in the camera, like Fritos. <laughs> and it's like like you see those, you're like, oh, I remember that bag. <laughs> the thing it's funny, instead of it being not being in the movie it's what's not in the movie is cell phones technology everything that i thought was star trek shit and now we've got it i'm I'm sitting here with a laptop that you saw in star trek like when you watch that film it's how much you don't have that i think about like so 90s yeah oh it makes it it so fucking 90s forget the hairstyles and everyone's like dye jobs and cars and shit like just not thinking like how, I used to have to use a fucking map that I would have to pull out <laughs> and go, okay, or go to AAA, and they would draw linings of, this is how you're going to get to New York tomorrow. I was like, holy shit, none of that exists, and these people, you know, it's it's so endearing, and now they have to figure out how to write around that, and they either do it the worst way possible, or they act, or a good writer will figure out a way to make that thing work. And that's how yeah. I think about when it comes to Scream. I'm like... They didn't have to write around what they didn't have, but they had to figure out ways to make it smart. So the killer is the one who falls down. 
It's not. The, it's not always the fucking. You know, it's not yeah. the victims. It's not the blonde girl with big tits. Even though it's great that they always talk about it. And then Tatum shows up. And you're like, yeah. You know, <laughs> what does Sydney do? She runs up the stairs. Everything that that's what makes that movie so great. And it's because of that era coming out of the '80s, and then we're getting ready to go into the 2000s. And we didn't, like you said, like school shootings wasn't were a thing that we thought talked about. Like school violence and and like video stores. Like I think it's just everything that is there. It's not there, and that I kind of miss as an old bastard. I'm probably the oldest person in the room. I'm 47. <laughs> He's the Alan Moore of the group. Fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> this is why Death Middle Dave is fired tonight. <sighs> but uh, I think we're going to wrap this episode up, man. Nate, yeah. thank you so much. How can we find you? How can everybody find you? I'll put links on the, on the YouTube channel and on our, uh, on our audio ver- versions. But how can people find you? Yeah, uh, so it would be uh, Reagan Productions on YouTube. Do a lot of Scream content, especially lately leading up to the new movie. Um, uh, so check that out. And then uh, Instagram and Twitter. I think it's just Nate Reagan. It's my name. So well, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Do you have any uh, thoughts? things that you, we didn't even get a chance to, t- to touch on in an hour and a half or whatever that you want to talk about like towards the end or like how how has this movie changed your life um i mean it's changed my life in a lot of ways i mean uh you know just going from like diehard fan of the series to actually like working on and helping you know with like the newer entries in the series um, which, you know, obviously you go back to 13 year old me in 1996, watching the original movie. I never, ever would have thought, you know, anything like that would ever happen. So that's fucking amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that, that trumps me. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, it just made me realize that, uh, the horror could be great again like i i'll always love it like i said i'll eat up every piece of shit movie that i love we talk about it's one of our sayings here on the show is like i love this piece of shit movie we talk yeah. about chud we talk about whatever and it's our it's like our slogan is like yeah it might suck and people want to shit on sequels or threequels or you know whatever screams you know scream remakes whatever yeah. like do you, you obviously don't remember the shit that you loved as a kid and this movie reminded me how good horror movies could be again. People talk about the thing in the 80s, and I think Scream is definitely one of those movies in the 90s that changed people's perception on horror movies. Yeah. I think you're right. Forget the slasher movie, just horror in general. Oh, yeah. I think you're right, Steve. Fuck you, Dave. Good call, Steve. For me, it was just like, I got to stop hanging out with these fucking people. They're crazy. Oh, shit. They want to kill people. (laughs) They think we can get away with it because. They're trying to make you a stew. Yeah, they're trying to make. They were trying to make me a stew. Let's make that. I got a long lament rant, and you're like, my friends suck. (laughs) I don't hang out with those people anymore. It didn't change my life. I was like fucking 15. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Yeah, it's true. I was just renting whatever fucking thing I could find at the video store. I was like, oh, that looks cool. Let's rent it. Oh, Rumpelstiltskin, bad choice. Yeah. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Ace. Uh, I, I, like I said. I hadn't really watched this movie a lot before. I watched it the first time uh, and then didn't watch it for another, till like a month ago. Yeah, but that is even but, like amazing. Yeah. I love it. I want and to hear. I just uh, like, I don't know. I think I just like all my memories of that were just memories of like all the stuff that it made, which was like Urban Legend and all those movies where I'm like, it's like, oh, let me guess. There's a cutaway and then the, you don't see the violence and there's a jump scare. Like, I yeah. just, I got so like, bombarded with that like in high school and when because everything was this movie after everybody's trying to make their own scream 
And I just yeah. got tired of it, and I kind of went the opposite direction, and I was like, just started watching nothing but old movies for like years and years and years. And I was like one of those assholes forever that was like, oh, man, new stuff sucks, man. I don't watch this. And like, then finally, like, finally, I was like, no, I'm wrong. There's, this is like a good series, and I should have like watched more of this growing up instead of skipping all these movies like I did. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's a perfect way to sum it up. And for summing it up, we are going to get out of here. Dave, get us out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, well, let's... That, that, Corey, that, can you hold that, up Corey, that? hold that sign up, would you? There you it go. Anchor. down. We're on a budget, <laughs> Anchor FM, Breaker, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, whatever the fuck you're listening to us on now. Apple, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Verbal.com. Thank you to the other countries that are listening to us. Apparently, Spain and Japan, somebody there, and Colombia. Peru, Sweden, Slovenia, and Argentina are the new ones. Where the fuck Slovenia? I don't fucking know. All right, whatever. Yeah, thank yeah, you. It reminds appreci- me of Hostel. I, I appreciate all of you listening, and thank you to our guest. And, Nate, uh, thank you. Thank you, Nate. And uh, we will see everybody later. Bye. Bye, everybody.